Okay, so I want to uh, chazer one last point from the end of yesterday's da'afron. Tzadi hey Amit Beis, we're up to Mi Omer Shmuel. Uh, it's about eight lines from the bottom. The last thing the Gemara discussed was a certain concept, and that is that um, if a robber uh, makes a, a shinoi, um, uh, and he makes an improvement, the question is, does he get the entire improvement? Does he have to return the whole thing like a knas? So he said that there's a shita that it gets a third, a quarter, a half, depending on the location. Fine. In the middle of that discussion, it said the following line, Bal chayv l'lekeach. Bal chayv l'lekeach meant like this. And the Gemara is going to analyze this. What it means like this. Um, okay. I owe Gavin $1,000. Okay. He comes to collect, I don't have any money, but I sold you land worth $1,000. So what's the halacha? He takes the land from you. That's a, like a concept, simple concept. There's a lien, he takes the land from you. Let's say you improve the land $500. So you bought $1,000 land and you improved it for $500. He takes the land with the $500 and he pays you $500. That's the halacha. He gets to take everything, but he has to pay for the improvements. Very simple. Okay, that's called balchayv lekeach. That the balchayv takes from the lekeach. He takes the land, but he has to pay for the improvements. Yeah, very simple. So the Gemara Sakasha, Amar Leiravina Leravashi, Miyomer Shmuel balchayv lekeach yoyev leshevach. Is that the halacha that if I collect land that's owed from me, I have to pay the buyer? For the improvements that they did to the land, is that true? Vomer Shmuel, didn't Shmuel say, didn't Shmuel say that the buyer, that the, the, the one who's owed the money, can collect the land without paying? Meaning, I just told you again, I owe Gavin the money, but I sold you the land. So Gavin goes to you and he takes the land from you. But I said, and Shmuel said, he has to pay for the improvements. So if you put in $300 of fences and you put in whatever improvements you did, he's got to pay cash. But didn't Shmuel say he doesn't have to pay cash? So does he have to pay for the improvements or not? By the way, improvements could be very simple. Corn. It's a cornfield. You bought the land for $1,000 and he planted corn. And there's so much corn here. $500 of the corn. He's got to pay for the corn. Is that true? I thought he could just take it without paying. So the question is, can he collect? Must he pay for the improvements or not? So the Gemara says, Amar le loy kasha. Just started. The Gemara says, the answer is, how, how far developed are the improvements? Again, the case is, I owe Gavin $1,000. He comes to collect. I don't have any money, but I sold a $1,000 parcel of land to Menashe. So you're going, you're going to take the land. Perfect. But it's a cornfield, and he's planted corn, and it's growing. So Shmuel said, one time Shmuel said that when you take the land with the corn, you have to pay him cash for the corn. But one time he said, you don't have to pay him cash for the corn. So which one is? The answer is, how far grown are these corn? Meaning, if the corn has grown to, your, to the shoulders, meaning it's fully ready to be, to, be, uh, to be harvested, then it's considered like a detached. You can't just take the field and all the corn not pay for it. But if the corn is little baby corn, then it's considered part of the field and you don't have to pay for it. So the question of whether you have to pay for it or not is just a matter of how, how far off, how, how developed is this improvement. That's, that's the Gemara's point. So the Gemara says like this. The Gemara says, 
Wait a minute, you're telling me that if the corn is already fully grown, so you have to pay for it, but there's every day Shmuel tells people they could collect the field, take the corn, and they don't have to pay for it, even if it's fully grown. So do you have to or not? So the Gemara says, you know what the answer is? How much money is owed to you? Meaning, the answer is very simple. Okay, you, if I owe you $1,000, I sold you a parcel of land worth $1,000. You're coming to collect the land. But on the land, there's $500 worth of corn that's fully grown. You have to pay for it. When could you take it without paying? Is let's say the land is $1,000, the improvements are $500, I don't owe you a thousand. I owe you fifteen hundred. Meaning, the money owed to you includes the money owed to you includes not only land but the improvements as well. If the money owed to you is just equal to the land but not to the improvements, so I owe you a thousand dollars. The value of the land is a thousand dollars. The improvements are five hundred. So when you take everything, you're taking too much money. Then you have to pay it back. If, however, the money owed to you is actually fifteen hundred dollars, so. You're collecting the land and the improvements, and all of it equals the fee. Then the Allah is you take it all, and Menashe, the $500, he'll come to me. So either way, he is going to get paid for his $500 improvement. The question is, who's paying? Am I the one who sold him the land paying, or the, the collector paying? The answer is, it depends. If, if the, the money owed to, owed to you is $1,000 equals the land, and the improvements is more than that, then the halacha is... That they'll take, the, you'll take the land and the improvements. We have to pay. If, however, the money owed to you is equal to the land and to the improvements, then you take everything. You don't have to pay him a penny because you're getting your money paid back. It makes a lot of sense. And Menashe wants his five, his fifteen hundred dollars because he paid for the thousand plus the five hundred. He'll come to me. Okay. See, he's definitely everyone is going to be whole at the end. You're going to get your money. He's going to get his money. The question is, who's paying for the improvements? Is it you or is it me? That just depends on how much it is. Okay. Now the Gemara is like this. We, we just got finished saying, let's say the scenario again. The scenario is where I owe Gavin $1,000. He comes to collect. I don't have any money, but I sold land two weeks ago to Menashe for $1,000. So he's going to come take the $1,000. Easy. But Menashe put in five... No, no, it's a lien. It's a collect. It's a lien, a lien, a lien on the property. You could collect from encumbered property. But Menasha put in $500 of improvements. So you take the $1,000 as payment. You take the improvements because it's part of the land, and you pay him $500. Now, what's interesting over here is Menasha has no ability to stop you. Like, he can't say, listen, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not giving you the whole land and the improvements. The land and the improvements together is worth $1,500. I'll give you... I'll give you a $1,000 piece of land. I'll give you less land. No, no, no. You take everything and you pay him. He has no ability to stop you. So the Gemara says, There's a machlekes in general. Forget, forget about this case. In general. I owe $1,000 to Gavin. He comes to collect the money from me. I don't have any money, but I sold the land to Menasha. It's encumbered property. He has the right to collect. He knocks on Menasha's door and says, hey, uh, I, Avi owes me money. 
and he owes me money before he sold you the land, so sorry, I'm here to collect the land. There's a machloikas in Ksubis, Davtsadi Aleph. Can Menasha, the one who has the land, can he force you to just take cash? Meaning, Menasha's like, listen, I like the land that I have. I feel connected to it. I like being a landowner. I understand you have the right to collect $1,000. You could try You want to try I understand you have the right to collect $1,000. Father's going to give him some cash. Uh, keep him, yeah, grease the wheels. So the point is, oh, the point oh, is like this. I don't care, whatever you want. But the point is, put it on the ground. <laughs> point is like this. The question is, can Menashe pay you off? Does he have the right to stop you from collecting the land? You have the right to collect the land, but it's $1,000. He's like, listen, I'd rather just give you $1,000 cash, and then he'll get the money from me. I, I'd rather do that. Can he stop you? It's a machloikas. The Gemara says like this, what's the machloikas about? If he has the right to, if he has no ability to pay you off, meaning you have the right to the land, that means that that land is considered yours. That that lien on the property makes it connected to you, predating his purchase. And therefore, Menashe says, I don't want to give you up the land. I'll pay you cash. You know, you could say, I don't care. I'm taking it. That means that it's yours. But if you hold, then the sugi makes sense. I'll explain in a moment. But if you hold that he has the right to pay you off. So if he has the right to pay you off, that means you're not that connected. So how come over here do you have the right to collect the improvements as well? I Meaning in this case, where you're owed $1,000, Menashe has a $1,000 parcel of land, but he put $500 of improvements. What's the halacha? You take the land and the improvements and just pay him $500, and he has no ability to stop you. So the Gemara says, if you hold that in general, he has the ability to pay you off and to stop you from collecting, then over here also, why can't he stop you from collecting? You're taking more money than's owed to you. You're owed $1,000, but you're taking $1,500 worth of land and improvements, and you're paying him the $500. And he has no ability to stop you. So the Gemara says, if you believe that in general, he has the ability to stop you from collecting by paying cash, then over here also, he should be able to stop you from collecting. And he should say, listen, how much are you owed? $1,000? So take $1,000. Don't take $1,500. Don't take the land and the improvements. Take a smaller parcel of land worth $1,000. But he has no ability to stop you. So if you hold that in general, he has no ability to stop you, fine. But if you hold that in general, he has the ability to stop you, that means that you're not really connected to the land. So why do you have the right to collect everything? So the Gemara says, The case is not just a lien on the property. The case is an apotiki. Apotiki is more than a lien. Apotiki is that when you did the loan, not just that there's a lien on all the property. You said you are going to collect from this land, meaning you made the land sort of like collateral. When you do that, that makes a very strong connection. Therefore, Gavin in this case is able to collect the land and the improvements. Menashe can't stop him at all. Why? It's not just a lien. A lien, sometimes you could push him off. This is, it's an apotiki. An apotiki means that when I did the deal with Gavin, when I borrowed $1,000, I pointed to that parcel of land, and I said, this land is basically yours. If I don't collect, it's yours. Therefore, you, no one could stop him from collecting it. I, in general, maybe you could. In general, just a lien. This is stronger than a lien. A lien is just, all my property has a lien to you. This is, I pointed out this parcel of land and said, this is going to be yours. Because of that, no one can stop you from collecting it. You can collect all of it with the improvements. You just have to pay. That's the end of that sugya. Yeah. End of that sugya. Now we're going to go very, very simple. The rest of the is very, very easy. We said in the... Let's go in the Mishnah, okay? I steal something and I make an impro- and I make a change. Now, if it's an irreversible change, it's mine biblically. But let's say it's a reversible change. A reversible change, 
Chazal were metakin, that if it's a reversible change, keep it, because it's, it's going to be hard for people to do tshuva. If you steal wood and you turned it into this nice bookshelf, bookcase, yes, could you take it apart? Yeah, you could take it apart. Are people going to take it apart? No. So therefore Chazal instituted that although it's only a reversible change, let, let it be. Here's the question. How far did they take that takana? So the Gemara says, Let's say after making the, I, I turned it into a bookcase. So stop, I stole the board, turned it into a bookcase. Now if I was caught right now, I could just keep the bookcase, and you're not going to make me take it apart. Chazal are not going to make me take it apart, according to one opinion. And I'm just going to pay you for the value of the bookcase. But instead, I sold it to you. So now the question is, they come to you, do you have that same right to say, listen, I'm not going to take apart the bookcase. Chazal, we're leaning on, on the Ganif. Well, I'm not the Ganif, but I bought it from the Ganif. So the question is, did Chazal's leniency for the Ganif extend to the purchaser as well? So does the purchaser pay you for the value of the bookcase, or does he actually have to give you the item itself? So Gozov Ishbiach Umach, or Gozov Ishbiach or a case of inheritance, same thing. Do we say that... Um, no, I'm sorry. The Gemara, it's not a kasher. The answer is you, he, he sells the rights, meaning a buyer takes his place. In the same way, the Ganav himself does not have to take apart the bookcase, so to the buyer doesn't have to take apart the bookcase as well. Let's keep going. What about this case? Okay. The first case was I steal it, I turn it into a bookcase, then I sell it. What if I steal it? sell it to you, you turn it into a bookcase. So now the change happened not in Bershus Aganev. The change happened in the Bershus of the buyer. So the question is, when Chazal made this leniency that if you make a change, no, just for takanas, for tshuva purposes, let it be, and just pay the cash, the value, that over here the Ganev didn't make a change, the buyer made the change. So the Gemara says, Boss of the buyer, he asked the question, he answered it, when you buy something, what do you, what do you sell? When you sell something, what, what are you selling? You're selling that you're now the owner, meaning you're now in my stead. And the same way me, the Ganif, by making a change, I get to keep it. So to you, the buyer, by making a change, you get to keep it. That's part of, part of selling an item is that basically the new owner is like me. So the same heterim that applied to the Ganif would apply to the buyer in, in his stead. Okay. Let's keep going. What if a guy stole something and made a change? Mahu. Well, okay. So that's a very strange question. Well, what's the question? Again, if you steal something and you make a reversible change, Chazal were metakin that in order to incentivize tshuva, we're going to allow you to keep it. So what's the question? A guy stole it and made a change. Do we let him keep it? Are we interested in his tshuva? The whole takana is incentivizing tshuva. You think that they made a takana for a guy? Well, what, why would we let the guy keep the item? Because we wanted to make it easy for him to do tshuva. We don't care whether he does tshuva or not. So the Gemara says, Do you think he made a takana for a guy? What are you talking about? No, no, no. The cases where a guy bought it, and then sold it to a Jew. And then the Jew made the improvement. So a Jew made the improvement. But the, okay. when, you, when I sell you something, or I steal something, and then I sell it to you, you make the improvement. Why did we say you get to keep it? You're just a buyer. The answer is, when I sell you the item, you're in my stead. 
A guy steals it and sells it to someone he makes the improvement. Why would that make... You're in the guy's stead. The guy... We never make takanas for guy. Says, yeah, but this is not the guy. This is a Jew. But the Jew is in place of the guy. <laughs> so if we don't make a takana for the Yuganif, we're not going to make a takana for the Jew that bought it from the Ganif. So the Gemara says, Saif, Saif. A buyer, you're still you're in place of the original person. The original person is a guy. So the Gemara says, okay, here's the case. The case is where a Jew stole it. Sells it to a guy. A guy turns it into a bookcase. And then he sold it to a Jew. So it's Jew, Goy, improvement, Jew. <coughs> so then the question is, Do we say at the end of the day, it was stolen by a Jew, it ended up by a Jew, so the Takana exists. Or perhaps Chazawa never made a Takana if there's a Goy all involved in the picture. Take it. What do you mean? What do you mean? Stole it. A Jew stole it, then sells it to a guy. The guy makes it and turns into a bookcase. The question is, when Chazal made this takana, did they make it that as long as it's stolen by a Jew and ends up by a Jew, the takana exists? Or do you say, no, the improvement was made in the middle by a guy, and Chazal never made takanas for a guy? That, that, the question is basically, how broad did they make this takana? Teiku, no, no, not sure. Let's keep going. Now, okay, the rest, I, I think the rest of the daf, if I'm not mistaken, uh, at least to the Mishnah. For it to, we, we keep on talking about changes, 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 changes. So uh, the changes that I've mentioned are pretty extreme. Taking pieces of wood and turning into a bookcase is a huge change. The Gemara now is going to explain that for there to be a change, it has to be significant. The most common way for there to be a change is to be a change in name. If there's no change in name, and it's still called the same thing, Although it might be, they might look slightly different. That's not a change. Lamar explains. Amra Papa, huh? Well, planing because that because it was called. It's now called nisarim. It's now called boards. Meaning before it was eitzim, now it's called nisarim. So it's not just a change in the structure. It has a change in the name. So the Gemara is going to say, Let's say I steal a palm tree from my friend. How do I do this? So it's very simple. I live next door to you. I cut down the palm tree and it falls into my yard. So the question is, is that a change? Again, the, the question is always, if there is no change, you have to return the item. If there's a change, you could just give the value. The question is, the tree was standing, now the tree is no longer standing. Is that enough of a change that it's mine now? So the Gemara says, Even though it's no longer attached to the ground, it's not a change, and you have to return the actual tree. Why? My Originally it was called a palm tree. Now it's still called a palm tree. They called it a palm tree still. And therefore, although yes, one is growing, one's not, it doesn't matter. It's still called the same. Let's keep going. But, 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 but for the purpose of sukkah, one is acceptable, one's not. So it's not the same. It's an interesting thing because the Gemara does bring out a point very little, very soon about lulav. I don't know. Interesting. I'm not sure. I'm awake. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. It's a good kasha. No, it's a good kasha. It's a good kasha. So the Gemara says, Dick love of it, Guvi. Let's say you stole a palm tree that was already detached to the ground. You already, it was a palm tree that was already felled. And you cut it into logs. Still, no kani, why? Hashtamiya guvi didikli mikri, because they're called palm tree logs. It's not logs, it's palm tree logs. And therefore, 
even though it was turned into logs, still has essentially the same name. Guvi vavinikshuri, but if you steal logs and turn it into beams, kani. Because once it's processed into the beams, then it already has a different name. Zutri. Let's say you steal large beams and you cut them into smaller beams. It's not that because it's essentially the same. But if you take the beams and turn them into boards, so you take large beams, slice them thin into like, you know, so you can make a bookshelf, that's kind of because that's mamish a different, those are called different things. Now the Gemara says like this, even if it's not called the same, but if it has different halachic statuses, it's partially because it's called the same, actually, now that I think about it. The Gemara will see. The Gemara says, Amarav Haiman de Gazaluliva, let's say you steal a lulav, Avin Chutzi, and you turn it into loose, you turn it into like a broom. You take a lulav, which is very tight, and you pull all the leaves apart, and now it's a broom, kind of, because now it has a different name. The Mikara Lulivi Mikra, because originally it was called a lulav, Ashta Hutzi, and now it's called Hutzi, which are leaves. So it has a different name. Hutzi Vavin Chufya. But let's say, I'm sorry, leaves, I'm sorry, uh, leaves are not a room. Leaves were just loose, I guess loose leaves. And let's say, let's say, oh, they, they're completely detached from the lulav. So you take the lulav and just completely pull off all the leaves. And now you have a bag of leaves. Like, uh, like the, 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 you know, like they, they wrap them. Yeah. You give them uh, the little things to wrap the uh, hadas maravis together. That's a change. But, hootsi, but if you steal leaves, and then you turn them into a broom, kana. That's considered a Kenyan also. No, I'm sorry. Oh, they're all Kenyan. I'm sorry. You steal a lulav, turn into leaves, you're kind of. You steal leaves, turn them into a broom, kind of, because that's a change. Because it's a different name. But you steal a broom and you turn it into rope. Like kind Okay, that's not kind of. Meaning you take the broom and you just weave the broom together into a rope. It's not kind of. Why? Because it's such a reversible change. And as we said, I mentioned before that a reversible change, Chazal allowed you to keep, but it's a machlaikis. Ravashi doesn't believe in that. So this Gemara follows Ravashi that a reversible change is not a, um, is definitely not biblical, and even rabbinically they don't believe it. So because it's a reversible change, they don't believe that that's significant. Interesting. You steal a lulav, kosher lulav, and you split the middle leaves. Is that enough? Uh, is that a problem? Now, the Gemara's essential question is, the Gemara assumes that if you trafe up a lulav, if you pass a lulav, that's a change. Because originally it was called a lulav kosher, and now it's called a lulav puzzle. It's, it's a completely different item. The question the Gemara is asking is, in the laws of lulav, if you split the leaves, does that pass a lulav? Now, we're obviously familiar with the outcome of the Gemara, which is, yes, that's what we're all looking for in a lulav. But the Gemara wants to know, if you split the lulav, does that pass the lulav and make a change? I'm saying is, the only show will be different. Is it possible? I think it's possible the whole yomtev. I'm not mistaken, I have to check. I think it's possible the whole yomtev. Psul on the uh, chaser is only possible the first day, but I think Zekhil Mavei is chaser. I have to check it up. I think it's possible the whole time. So the Gemara says, Toshima, Dom Rav Mosin, Rav Yishu Malevi, Nitla Tliyam is possible. Oh, Rav Yishu Malevi said, if you steal a lulav and you rip out the center leaves, rip them out, that apostle did, and therefore it's a change. Go to the next page. My love, who adin lenechlika. The question is, why did he say rip out the middle leaves? Was he also referring to splitting? 
So the Gemara says, Loi, nitlashani, no, no, no. It's only possible if they're missing, not if they're split. So this Gemara actually at this point feels that split middle leaves is kosher. But the Gemara says, and we don't pass this way, Ikadamri, some have a different version. Splitting the leaves is as if they're missing and it's possible. Shmamina, you see that it's possible. And because it's possible, that means that you're kind of it. Very good. Amra Papa. We're going to keep going. If you steal dirt from your friend, and you turn them into bricks, why? Because you could crumble those bricks and easily turn it back into the dirt that you stole. So it's a reversible change, no good. The Gemara says, Levinta, but let's say you steal bricks, and you turn it into dirt, why? You could remake the bricks. The answer is when you remake the bricks, it's going to be borderline impossible for you to make them exactly the same. Therefore, they're not going to be the same old bricks. They're going to be new bricks. And therefore, it's not a reversible change. It's going to be a new change. Like if you steal... You steal dirt, turn them into bricks, that's not a change because you can just go back to dirt, what you stole. But if you steal bricks and you turn them into dirt, how would it be reversible? Because you could make it back into bricks again? It's not going to be the same brick. It's not going to be the same dimension, same everything. It's going to be a new brick. So the Gemara says, That's considered a new brick, and therefore that's considered not a reversible change. Let's say you steal a block of silver. I steal a block of silver, and I turn it into coins. So, that's not a, that's not a, that doesn't acquire it. Why? I steal a block of silver, I turn it into coins, I could just remelt it back into that same block of silver that I stole it from. My time, niska, because you could just remelt it back to what you stole it from. Therefore, it didn't really make a change. But the opposite, let's say you steal coins. I steal coins and I melt it down into a brick. My That is an acquiring. Why? Because you stole coins. I turned it into a brick of silver. How could it be reversible what I did? Because you could remake them into coins. They're going to be new coins. They're not going to be looked at as the same coins. They're not going to be the same shape. They're not, nothing, it's not going to be exactly the same that way it was. Back then, they didn't have, you know, like the same way we do. They were, the coins were not exactly exact every single time. And therefore, it's considered new coins. It's not considered the coins that I stole. The Gemara says, Let's say you steal old tarnished coins and you make them new, you shine them. Loikani. Shining coins is not an irreversible change because they could just tarnish them again. But but if you steal new coins and you tarnish them, that is an irreversible change. Why? Because once they're tarnished, you'll never be able to get the tarnish off fully. So therefore, it's sort of... You, 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 once you scuff and scratch those coins, you can never undo that. Therefore, that's considered an irreversible change. The tarnish will always be discernible. Apparently, you can never... You know, you can never make it that mamish like a brand new shoes. Once you scuff shoes, it can never go back. Okay, now, it's the Mishnah ended off by saying, Here's the rule. If you acquire something, you always just pay the value of the time of the theft. What did that Zehaklal come to add? We had this, we had this, when do we have this? Samachay. So we had this 30 days ago. If you steal a lamb and it matures into a ram, lambs turn into rams naturally. So you steal a lamb and it matured. Or egel, you steal a calf and it matures into an ox while you stole it. That's considered a shinoi. 
Again, it's a change, different different look, different feel of the animal, different weight, different name, and therefore it's you, yours. You didn't do it, you just can't. By God. A change by God is significant yeah, as well. But Tavachumachar, and then by the way, after there's already a change, it's no longer the original person's animal. If you were Teveach and Machar, you don't have to pay Dalit Vehei. Shaloyhu Teveach, Shaloyhu Machar. This parasha, right? Yesterday's Aliyah. You don't have to pay Dalit Vehei. Why? Because Dalit Vehei only applies if I steal your animal and I slaughter it. I stole that lamb. It turned into a ram. It's no longer your animal anymore. And then if I then slaughter it, I don't have to pay Dalit Vehei. I just have to pay you Kefo. Okay. The Gemara says, There was a person, okay, a very strange story because, I actually kind of like the story because you can see how this would happen. There was a person who stole a pair of ox from his friend. He used those oxen to plow his field. And he seeded the field. So, so okay, so you steal the two oxen and then use it to improve your field. And he returns the oxen to the owners. So, well, let's stop right there. What should the halacha be? Well, you stole ox, you returned ox. Huh? Now, the mileage the Gemara is not as bothered by. The Gemara says, So they came in front of Rav Nachman for a judgment. Rav Nachman said, you got to pay him for the value of the field that you improved. By you plowing the field, you improve the field, let's say $100, you have to pay the owner for the improvement that you made with your stolen item. Guy goes. He steals someone's oxen, uses the oxen to improve his field, returns said oxen. Rav Nachman feels that you have to pay for the improvement. Now, Amalei Rava, Rava is there while this takes place, and Rava interrupts Rav Nachman and he says, "Who does he pay for the extra for the improvement? The, the, the owner of the ox." Now the question is, why? No. It's actually very hard to understand because the truth is the ox doesn't care. The ox didn't didn't the improvements is not part of a theft. If it was a hammer, would it be the same thing? Or are we just talking about like it's a wear you get worn out. The hammer gets worn out. The ox doesn't care. It's a very strange thing. Um yeah. Does anybody say does does anybody say that they should pay for the uh, how much would you lease those animals for? for a no, day? so so I'll tell you. So I'll tell you. The, the truth is, just to spoil all of this, oh. the the Gemara the Gemara is going to Rava is going to interrupt Rabbi Nachman and ask basically why are we doing this? The truth is, from a halachic perspective, you shouldn't have to pay at all. Forget about the mileage. Forget about this. If I steal an item and I use it to improve my field, but I return said item, why do I have to pay anything else? I return said item. What do you want? What do, what does it matter? What I did with it? What does it matter? So that we're so okay. So Rava interrupts Rabbi Nachman and says, "Amrle Rava, Turi Eshbach, Arle Eshbach." First, Rava says, "Why? Why? You're saying that the, the 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 improvement of the land is not solely because of the oxen. The land was a part of that as well. So if the land went up five hundred dollars, it's not because of the oxen that the land went up. The, the oxen just plowed it. it they're shutzvim. It should be two fifty. So Amar Mikamin and Shai Mekuli Palga Kamin. Rabbi Nachman said, "I meant half." Okay, still, Saif Saif. I still don't understand. You stole an item, you returned said item. Where, where are you coming? This new creation of a rechayv. So Amrali Sarv Nachman said to him, Rabbi Nachman said, I told you when I'm sitting in judgment, don't interrupt me. Why? Meaning, I am me and uh, I'm I'm 
Rav Huna and my friend Shvermalka were all brothers in monetary law, meaning I know what I'm talking about. This person is a serial thief, meaning this is not a real, this is not a real payment. This is a penalty. He got it. He's got to stop this guy. So Rav is interrupting the, you know, the pesach. Being, I don't understand. And he's like, shush, shush. This is not. This is not a real payment. This is a penalty because this guy does not stop stealing. So from a halachic perspective, you, it doesn't make sense to pay at all. So forget it. As I was like, it's not. It's not a. It, it's not a. It's not a payment that would actually be required al pi halacha. This was a penalty that Rav, that Rav Nachman had because Rav Nachman knew that this guy was not stopping to steal. So it was a pure penalty. Okay. Well, yeah, that's why. Well, that's why. That's why he said to Rubber, "Don't interrupt me." Like I know, like you're waking up. I know what I'm doing. Like you don't know these people. I know these cast of characters. I, I know who I'm dealing with. Um, so the Gemara says like this. Let's just finish up. The rest of the daf is actually very easy. The Gemara says, "Yeah, the Mishnah says thousands of years ago, but Gazel of Eskina." I know, I know, I know. That it was made up by the Romans. Gazel behemoth of Eskina. If you stole an animal and it got older, okay. The point of this Mishnah, by the way, is that. For it to be a change, it has to be a change that's nicker. A change that's not physically nicker. Uh, but let's say it's a halachic change, but without any physical change in the appearance is not significant enough. So let's say you steal uh, you steal truma and you touch it when you're tame. That's not a change. I It, it, it was truma, now it's tame. There's, there has to be a physical change as well. It has to be nicker physically for it to be. like uh, Huh? Not just name. It has to be name plus physical change. So the Gemara says, Gazel behave in If you steal an animal and it ages, or Avod if you steal slaves and they age, Mishalim Kshasak you acquired it. Now the Chiddush of this is, by the way, is that Avodim are considered like movables. Meaning if Avodim are treated, we've had this throughout Shiloh, throughout Shas, are Avodim treated like Karaka or Metaltalin? If they're treated like Karaka, you can't acquire them with a change. Okay. Rav Meir, Rav Meir says, Avodim says, this doesn't work by Avodim. Why? Avodim is Karka. Avodim you don't acquire. Avodim you just return. So Rav Meir holds that Avodim is like Karka. The Tanakama feels Avodim is like Metaltalin. Okay, let's keep going. If you steal a coin and it cracks, Paris Verkivu steal fruit and they rot, so you steal wine and it sours, those are all forms of kinyonim, and you don't return the item, you pay the value at the time of the theft. But let's say you steal a coin and the coin is discontinued. So it's a change, but not a physical change at all. It's not like it cracked. They just stopped using that type of coin. Or Truma uh, v'nitmas, you steal truma and then it becomes tummy. Or chametz v'avalav pesach, or chametz and then pesach happens. Or behemav v'nisavd v'averu, of an animal that you didn't averu with, so now it's puzzle for a carbon. Or shenisam yagav mizbech, or any other psul that's not physically apparent. You steal a cow and you do avodizara to it, so now it's no longer roy for a carbon. Or if you steal a cow and it gets a psak that it should be stoned to death, so it loses its value. All of these are not form of kinyana because they're not clear. It's not nikkah. Let's keep going. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says like this: Amrav Papa, loy his kin is kina mamish. For it to be a kinyan, it doesn't mamish have to be that it's aged to the point where it's like an old old cow. Merely slight aging is enough. It doesn't need to be an extreme aging. Just a, a, let's say aging is like an eighty percent change. Thirty percent is right there enough. 
So says the Gemara, Hanan has kinah in that way. So if it doesn't have to be a full age, why does it say his kinah? That's what it means. It means any leaning of the animal, any weakening is like aging. Because it's not coming back. It's not like weakening because it's tired. It's weakening because it's getting older. I heard in the name of Yechanan, this we just had. You steal a ram, it turns into a, a lamb, it turns into a ram. A calf, it turns into a sheep. It turns into a cow. That would be impressive. That's a shina and his kainah. We just had. But notice that over here, he is quoting this in the name of in the name of Rav Yechanan, before we had in the name of Rav Eloi. So the Gemara says, Amar Lei, Rav Ashi said to Micah, I told you, be careful, don't change the names, meaning you're misquoting people. That's not Rav Yechanan, that's Rav Eloi. Got to quote it better. Okay, let's keep going. Okay, let me just explain from here until the end of the daf. It'll take us literally two minutes. Um, our Mishnah had a machlekes or mayor in the Rabbanon. The Rav Meir felt that Avodim are like Karka, and there is no Kenyan. The Rabbanon felt Avodim are not like Karka. Comes the Gemara, Am Rav Chanir Bar Avdim Yom Rav, Halachik Rav Meir. Rav says we pass like Rav Meir. Now why would Rav pass like Rav Meir and not the Chachamim? That's a strange thing. He's a Yachid. So he says we pass like Rav Meir that Avodim are like Karka. So the Gemara says, Rav Shavik Rabbanon Avodik Rav Meir. Why would Rav ignore the Rabbanon and pass like Rav Meir? So Amri Mishum de Brisa Ipchatania because Rav had a Brisa that had the names reversed. So Rav, when he says he passes like Rav Meir, he means the Rav Meir of our Mishnah, but that's really the Rabbanon of the Brisa. So Rav felt. Basically, you have the Mishnah had one version, the Brisa had the exact opposite version, and Rav is going with the Brisa over the Mishnah. So the Gemara says, Again, the Brisa is reverse of the Mishnah. So when he says we pass like Rav Meir, it means Rav Meir of our Mishnah, which is the Chachamim of the Brisa. So why is he going with the Brisa over the Mishnah? He's choosing the version of the Brisa over the version of our Mishnah. So when he says Halachik Rav Meir, it means Halachik Rav Meir shel Masnisan, Shehu Rabbanon shel Brisa. So he's really going with the Rabbanon of the Brisa. So why is he choosing the Brisa over the Mishnah? The answer is, uh, Rav reversed the Mishnah as well. Meaning, Rav found the Brisa was opposite the Mishnah, so he reversed the Mishnah. So the Gemara says, Well, you tell me, Rav felt, Rav found the Brisa opposite the Mishnah, so he reversed the Mishnah? Reverse the Brisa. So the answer is, The answer is, he didn't reverse the Mishnah. Rav had an opposite version of our Mishnah. So therefore, like this. When Rav came in and he said, we passkin like Rav Meir, what he meant is, your version of Rav Meir, my version is the Chachamim. Because he had, his Mishnah was reversed. What we have in the Rav Meir, he had as the Chachamim. What we have as the Chachamim, he had as Rav Meir. So the Gemara says, another alternative. Another version is that he actually had the Mishnah the way we do, but he changed it. Why would he change the Mishnah? To make it work with the Brisa. Why do you do that? The answer is because there's another Brisa that backs up his version of the Brisa, that Rav Meir, because again, the Shaila is, does Rav Meir feel like Avodim is Karka or not? Our Mishnah says yes, the Brisa says no. He reversed the Mishnah to be like the Brisa. Why? Because he had another Brisa that backs up that Brisa, not our Mishnah. It's all just, he's flipping it around. Let's say, um, 
I don't want to spend too long on this. I'm just like one minute. Basically, if I'm doing chalipin with you, right? I'm swapping a, a para for a chamar. So I have a donkey. You have a para. And we're swapping. So I say, by you taking this donkey, I'm getting your... Uh, by you taking this chamar, I'm getting your cow. Here's the deal, though. We do this in my house. The cow is by your house. So I, by you taking the donkey, I get your cow. We go to your house to pick up the cow, and you realize the cow gave birth. The question is when. If the cow gave birth before the transaction, then I didn't acquire it. If the cow gave birth after, that means that I acquired a pregnant cow. So the question is, when did the birth take place? So says the Mishnah, or if you sell a Canaanite slave, and you find, again, you did a swap, and you find that she had a baby. So we're not, who, who, who got, when was she pregnant? Whose baby does it belong to? This one says, she, she gave birth um, in my domain, meaning it was mine by the time she gave birth. The other one says, I don't know. So one is confident, Bari, the other one, Shema, what's the halacha? Uh, the one who's confident wins. Bari v'shema, Bari Adif. Let's say they're both not sure. You split the value of the offspring. Let's say they're both confident. So you have one's confident, one doesn't know, Bari v'shema, Bari Adif. Both not sure, split it. Let's say they're both confident. Rameir says, the one who it belonged to originally swears and he keeps it. So let's say like this. I have a donkey, you have a cow. We're swapping it. By the time we're done the swap, we're not sure whether the cow that you gave me was pregnant and I get the baby as well or not. So you, Gavin, who owned it originally, swear and you keep it. But says, what, why is this all relevant for the next line? Chacham say, you do not swear for avodim and karka. What do you see from all this? The Chachamim say that Karka and Avadim are the same. Therefore, that is the version of the Brisa, where Avadim and Karka are the same, not like Rav Meir. So, just to end off with this, when, Reb, when Rebbe said, we passing like Rav Meir, he meant Rav Meir of the Mishnah, which is the Chachamim of the Brisa. And he is ignoring the Mishnah and he's following with the Chacham of the Brisa. And the Gemara says, So one last point. When, when Rebbe said, we paskin like Rav Meir, when Rav said we paskin like Rav he didn't mean Rav Meir, he actually meant the Chachamim. Because that's the Rav Meir of the Brisa. Because the, the names are reversed in the Brisa. That's what he meant. When he said Halachik Rav Meir, he didn't mean Halachik Rav Meir. He meant the version of Rav Meir of your Mishnah, which is the the proper version in the Brisa is reversed. I'm passing like the Chacham of the Brisa, which is the mayor of the Mishnah. I will stop here.